0: Hi folks, welcome to the Happysaver.com podcast. Your friends might not want to talk about their journey with money, but I do. I'm Ruth and I'm a blogger on personal finance and in this podcast series I tell the stories of Kiwis and their experiences with the money in their lives. Jane loves buying individual shares in companies. She enjoys the research, the tracking of her investments and the sporadic hunt for the next big thing. Sharesight is an online platform that I use to keep track of my investments, because although I have tried, my own spreadsheets just were not cutting it. If you buy shares or index funds each and every month, it's actually really hard to work out how your investments are performing. But ShareSite does all of this for you, including working out all of your tax obligations. You can try ShareSite for free and track up to 10 holdings. But if you have more than that, then I have a special offer which allows you to get four months for free when you purchase an annual premium plan. If you want to check it out and free yourself from your spreadsheets, go to thehappysaver.com forward slash ShareSite. This week I talked with Jane, and although this story is 100% true, her name is not. Yet another shy Kiwi, I'm afraid, but I didn't want that to stop me from sharing her financial journey with you. Jane, she is a really good mate of mine and one of the few people I have been able to turn to over the years when I wanted to talk about money. She works in a medical profession just on a part-time basis since she had her children, who are now aged 10 and 12. And also because she tells me that part-time work is more than plenty, Ruth. Her husband is a lovely bloke who works full-time, also in the medical field, and together they have a pretty good life that they have worked hard for. I asked her a heap of questions specifically about her share buying habits and she was so open when she answered them for me. Both her and her husband made the big move to this little country at the bottom of the world about 15 years ago and they have rarely looked back. And I know it is rude to ask about age these days, but she admits to looking 35, but she is actually in her early 40s with the emphasis on the early pleas. Now they approach money very much as a team, but my chances of talking to him about all of this were pretty much zero because he wants to remain under the radar. Although they are a team, they have quite different personalities. He is very methodical and he pays the bills on time, whereas she dives in and out of her investing. He rocks a spreadsheet and she has a more uh, scattergun approach. He tends to be the more boring investor, her words, not mine, and is involved in things such as KiwiSaver and the more standard ways of saving, which we didn't actually cover off in our chat. And she invests in the stock market, which she views as much more exciting. Her husband does all the accounts at home and he organises paying the bills on time and he is very systematic and he likes the control of this. It is just in his nature and he is the perfect person to be paying the bills if you ask me. Despite their differences they are very much on the same page as they are both savers not spenders and they very rarely disagree. And a phrase that came up regularly in our chat was that her family very much chase having experiences and they don't chase the pursuit of buying more random stuff. Being mindful of what their expenses are and having a disciplined savings habit it lets them achieve that and as a result they have a lot of fun as a family. For them as a family having money saved and invested gives them the freedom to do what they want to do and that really involves buying and spending. It's all about spending time with family and friends, that is what brings them happiness and because their family are all over the world he ensures that they are regularly saving to allow them to travel to visit them. Off the bat, I asked her a question to focus her mind on money and that question was, if she were given $10,000 right now, what would she do with it? Now, I was expecting her to give me a share tip or an investment option but instead she told me this. She would go on holiday and she would visit family and she would not invest any of it but instead create a memory with the family which they will have for the rest of their lives. She invests and saves enough already And who knows what will happen tomorrow? Not quite the answer I was expecting. And I did have to say, Jane, you know this is a personal finance podcast, right? So next I asked what are her three main financial habits, the things that she just automatically does. Number one, uh, with her KiwiSaver, every two weeks she drops $200 in there. Number two, she pays everything on credit card so that they get the reward points and they never, ever, ever pay interest. Number three, in her bank, she steadily builds up a lump sum of $2,000 that she will then invest somewhere in the share market that will get her a good return, hopefully. And whether they realise it or not, everyone has a money elevator pitch, a sentence that would sum up their approach to money, and Jane's was straight to the point, much like herself. It is to live within your means, never buy on credit, and therefore don't buy what you can't afford. If our parents were doing their jobs correctly, they managed to teach us stuff. So what was the one piece of advice, either good or bad, that her parents taught her about money? It relates directly to her previous answer because they always drilled into her that you don't buy on credit. If you don't have the cash, you don't get to buy the item. She mentioned that she saves up lump sums to invest. So is this considered her money? No. Their position is that money that they have both earned is theirs collectively, and it's not tagged mine or his. She does, however, keep one bank account for herself, and she uses that money to buy gifts for her husband, which is very kind, or to buy things that she feels are exclusively for her. She said it just felt odd buying a gift for her husband from their joint account especially as he will see every line of the visa statement and know exactly what it cost and by having this account it feels like she has contributed and it feels more personal if you like. And having your own bank account for gift giving is not a bad idea. Personally I've lost track of the amount of times I have been entering bank statements into my spreadsheet and I've worked out what I'm getting for my birthday or Christmas or whatever and it does kind of kill the fun of gift giving. My husband, though, he's finally worked out that if he gets cash out, I uh, don't know what he did with it. Now I asked Jane to pick one, index funds or individual shares. And obviously she has gone for individual shares because personally she thinks you get more return despite the current lean towards those index funds. Importantly, she is not averse to risk and she sees it as a fun thing to do on the side without the pressure of performance because her investing is diversified in other areas. So to date, what is her biggest financial triumph? Marrying her husband was her answer because two professional incomes sure does help pay the bills and they are both highly educated and good earners. But jokes aside, she is actually proud of putting herself through uni and to paying off her entire loan in her first year of working and that was before she met her future husband, she pointed out. So that's her biggest triumph and one that she should rightly be proud of. And apart from that student loan, and now a fully paid off mortgage, she has never taken on any other debt. As a married couple, they also bought a home early, so they've never spent a huge amount on renting, and she also credits her financial stability with the fact that they also found a house they were happy to stay in long term in New Zealand, they've been there 12 years and counting, and they have no desire to buy bigger or better or what have you. Jane has also had a few flops that she is happy to admit to uh, which have become a learning experience and one that she won't be repeating. Some shares she has bought have done extraordinarily badly and on reflection she bought them on a tip, something she would advise you not to do and she failed to do her research into the company. I like to ask why Kiwis don't want to talk about money and Jane is an interesting person to ask this of because, like a couple of the people I've spoken with for these podcasts, she was not actually raised in New Zealand but she came here as an adult. Jane thinks Kiwis don't want to talk about money because they think you are bragging and it is considered bad manners to discuss it. Apart from her husband, I'm the only person she has ever discussed her financial situation with which I found remarkable. She does not even discuss the topic with her extended family. And that amazes me and it also makes me feel a little bit sad because it is such an important topic and we could all learn so much off each other and it looks like money could be a taboo topic no matter where in the world you are from. With sincerity, she says she never looks at other people and compares them with herself, each to their own. Everybody is on their own journey. I asked Jane if she could retain all of the knowledge and the life experience that she has today regarding money and she could go back to her 15-year-old self and start again, what would she do, whether it be the same or something quite different? She considers herself to be fairly happy and comfortable and would not do anything differently. Perhaps she would have done a business studies course if it had been available when she was studying, but it was not, and since then she has completely been self-taught regarding finances and investing. I wanted to know a bit more about her share buying and when she made a start on saving and then investing and I wondered what her situation was at the time. After she had had her second child, a chance conversation with a friend who invested directly in the stock market set her on a path of investing and buying shares. She was at home with her kids. She has always been an ongoing learner so she was looking for new skills to learn and looking for something to stretch her brain a bit, so she did a small investing course online. But how did she work out what actual company to invest in? Well, Jane read a lot in the beginning. The Australian Stock Exchange has a very good learning platform and education section on their website, and she did many bite-sized courses through them where she got to practice with share buying scenarios without actually stumping up the cash. She also found a great book called Shopping for Shares, which was a really easy read and covered the basics of what she needed to know, and this was actually the very first book she read. She also discovered buying Martin Roth. Uh, He would research a lot of different companies and he releases a book each year on his top tips, but in hindsight she realised he was not actually terribly reliable sometimes, so maybe don't write that one down as a go-to read. So when it got down to it, how did she decide which sector and which specific company to invest in? Now she did a bit of a clever thing, I thought. She went to the KiwiSaver fund that she is already in, which is a Fisher fund, as that has a long-term outlook and she cherry-picked from the list of companies that make up that fund. They have the experience to choose good companies who are leaders in their field, so she researched each of the companies they invested in and learned as much about them as she could, and then made her choices from there. She avoids buying too much of one thing, or two companies who are similar to each other, and that way she gets a very good spread and is well diversified. Now she directs money into a specific account, and once she has comfortably over $2,000, she will buy stocks. She is more random with money than her husband, and she does invest in fits and starts and she told me that she has a rush of blood to the head, starts to research the shares she is keen on as thoroughly as she can, and then she just jumps in and buys. She has invested approximately $30,000 in a rough list of sectors, and off the top of her head, she told me they are as follows. She bought into Ryman Healthcare, and that covers off the retirement village sector. She's with infrastructure investment company Infratil. She has a little stake in Michael Hill Jewellers. Also, there's an Australian credit lending company called CCP. Uh, She has one index fund, which is a Singaporean one, and she tells me it's doing really well. She has a holding in Abbott, which is a USA pharmaceutical company. She's also got a little bit of JB Hi-Fi, and she also has a few shares in businesses that provide essential services to the mining industry and also in a software support company in Australia. So for Jane, investing is a learning curve and she is really, really enjoying the education. Like she mentioned, this does not take up every minute of her day. She dives in and out as she feels like it. So if you have an image of her screensaver having up-to-date stock pricing on it where she is constantly monitoring, uh, think again. (laughs) She has never sold any of her portfolio. She very much buys to hold and that is where she thinks she may have made a mistake. And in hindsight, she thinks she should have sold when an individual company lost more than 10%, but she didn't. So some of her shares continue to have great returns and others less so. And that is where she gets to see firsthand the merits of diversification. And another mistake she owned up to her kids are not in KiwiSaver. And I was surprised at this, but she did follow up by saying that with their kids, they openly discuss money and how it works in their day-to-day lives. They'll talk about the cost of groceries, running a vehicle, how people pay mortgages, paying rents, holiday costs and things like that. And this openness is part of her children's financial education. The kids don't get pocket money as such, but believe you me, they pull their weight around the house. But they uh, regularly put them in situations where they get to use money and think about the consequences of that use, like taking the bus into town and paying for it, visiting the school fair with $20 and discussing the choices that went into uh, the spending or saving of that money. And as with most kids, she finds that they are more generous with their mum's money than if it was their own. Now with the kids, one will come home from the school fair with absolutely nothing uh, in their wallet and the other will hold on to a little of it for the future. So it appears that your money personality arrives quite early in life. She redeemed herself by sharing that they do, however, save for their children's tertiary education via a general savings account, which makes a lot of sense because that money will be sitting there accessible and ready to use. And what about herself? Has she set some money aside for the unknown future? She sure does have an emergency fund and she refers to this as her nest egg. So what about that other Kiwi love? She's been in this country long enough to work out what it is. It is, of course, property as an investment. Jane had never thought to get involved in property other than the house that they own. And she sees it as a hassle to have tenants, to do maintenance on the home and to take care of all the extra costs involved. So property is just not for them and they have never looked into it. So now that she is set up and has a number of shares in her portfolio, what does her average week look like? She barely looks at her shares during the week. If she is thinking of buying, she will start to look and research and this goes in bursts, which on reflection is only about three times a year. Her buying is very much related to how the New Zealand dollar is doing and how the market is going generally, but it is clearly not something that occupies her every waking hour. So in my view, Jane is pretty successful. She got herself through study. She and her husband have worked hard to pay off their house and now in their early 40s they have zero debt. They are now working from a position of strength and they are thinking about and saving hard for the future. And I really enjoyed our chat because it differed from others and focused more on her share trading. I know a few other regular women or men for that matter, who are actively involved in shares. She mentioned the ASX and I really suggest you jump online and check out the Education Centre and all of the courses that they offer to help you get started. And I really liked how Jane chose where to invest because in my mind that's one of the biggest stumbling blocks And by following a high-performing KiwiSaver fund and mimicking what they invested in, she seems to have followed a pretty good path. And that is a cunning plan. And when she has a burst of enthusiasm to invest, I like how she spends a couple of weeks doing a lot of thorough research before hitting the buy now button. And that should dispel any thoughts we had about share investors being methodical, boring, number crunchers who are watching the NZX every minute of the day and getting share updates to their phones. And for her, this plan is working. Her portfolio has been increasing year on year, despite the occasional setback. She is diversified enough to ride out the rough patches. Mm, But individual share trading. We did have the conversation about index funds and how the general conversation around the water cooler is that they are outperforming her method of going about things. She does have that one index fund, but she does what she does with her individual shares because she enjoys learning about each company and being actively involved. She loves the thrill of buying direct instead of being completely hands-off like you would be with an index fund. So all power to her, I say. I reckon Jane should be calling a meeting and telling all her friends about her financial journey, what she has learned, and how she goes about making good money choices. But instead, I am the only person she has ever spoken to about how she has gone about it. And I'm really grateful that she took some time to sit down and give me a glimpse into her life. But it is also a great shame in my view and a missed opportunity for others to learn from her because she is really no different from any one of us and what she is up to is attainable to any of us if we were just to give it a try. So you will find links to the books and websites that she mentioned in my show notes and you'll find them on thehappysaver.com. Plus, I've added a few other useful ones in there to help you on your share buying journey. And finally, my hope is that maybe after listening to Jane's story, it has given you the push you need to do a bit of research yourself, learn a few new skills and go ahead and buy a little slice of a company that really excites you. And I so hope you will do that. So until next time, happy saving.